just some reminders of things that are going on. Also want to remind you that during the series we're going through and we're using, Jeffrey and I are using pieces of the bookmark, and really this is a this whole thing is about identity in Christ. This is this is one of those things where we're going to revisit often because uh, if you're anything like me, uh, I don't get it much the first time around. I, I repetition's a good thing for me, and it seems like the older I get, the more repetition I need. I'm just saying. So uh, do pick up a bookmark. We have a pile of them over here. We'll get as many as we need. Feel free to get more than one and uh, use this thing throughout the day. You have a down moment or and I don't mean like down emotionally, but it, even then, then take this out and read through it. In Christ, I'm righteous and holy. I'm unconditionally loving. I'm confident. I'm fearless. I mean, it doesn't take much to stir your spirit back up and rise back up. And that's what this is for. It's just a tool to help you. And so we just want to help you work the tool. So we're going to dive right in tonight. We're going to pray as we get started. do want to uh, continue to pray for our community. I, I always pray a lot during... Uh, spring break because it's kind of the kickoff season when things get busy around here. Have you noticed? <laughs> yeah, just drive downtown once and uh, you'll start using the side streets again and diversions. And so uh, didn't take me long living here to figure out all the alternate routes around downtown. <laughs> Doesn't take long, right? Where to park and all that. So uh, uh, anyway, but we do, I want to always be praying for our guests in our community that not only will they be refreshed just by getting away from the craziness of their own life, but that they'll, they'll find something different about the atmosphere of Fredericksburg, Texas, because Jesus is here, because Jesus is Lord. Amen? That in the midst of it all, we can, we can drive by downtown. If you don't want to go through there, drive by it and pray. Pray. Say, Lord, saturate the atmosphere with your presence so that people are actually breathing the atmosphere of grace and the atmosphere of mercy, the atmosphere of love, and the atmosphere of his presence. So I pray that every time I go through town. And, and I also pray for our retailers and all of our folks that have businesses. We have a lot right here in the church, some sitting right here among us. And pray for our retailers. Pray for a great run. Amen? I want to pray for the prosperity of our community and for growth and all of those things. Here's the thing we need to understand, that while um, there are some, I was visiting with Kyle Biederman the other day at his place uh, at, over at Ace, and and having this conversation and we talked about the fact and I, I enumerate this and I do this often is that while there are some that have a call to carry civil government on their shoulders that's just a call on their life we who are the church the body of Christ carry spiritual government on our shoulders that means that when we show up in a given place we can affect change in that place in the in the very atmosphere as we speak life and speak the kingdom into the atmosphere and it sounds like, it sounds very esoteric and kind of mysterious, but it's no different than me walking over to a thermostat, setting the thermostat, and then what happens? A system kicks in and it begins to change the atmosphere, right? It's very mechanical and very simple. The kingdom works on a similar principle. As we speak the word of God and declare the word of God and declare his promises, align ourselves with his word and speak his word, you do know when you pray his word, that's his will, right? So it's, you're, pretty on, you're on good ground when you pray the scripture. And as we speak that into the atmosphere, guess what? The system, it's not an HVAC, but in a very real sense, there is a spiritual air conditioner that conditions the atmosphere. When you begin to walk at a level of confidence where you believe you're carrying 
spiritual authority, spiritual government on your shoulders, that means you can step into any given environment and affect change. Does that make sense? Do you believe our words matter? Do you believe our words are power containers? And that what we say matters and affects things? Absolutely. He's conferred that authority upon us. And when we walk in that authority, it makes you walk a little taller, I'm just saying. When you walk into an atmosphere and you can speak life over it. You can speak grace into it. And it's a powerful thing. And can you imagine, I was telling this story to some friends, actually at our Connect group last night, I brought this up. When we traveled to Manila in the Philippines in 2005, it was their 20th anniversary, they had 20,000 young people show up in the main arena in Manila, and you may have heard of the Thrilla for Manila, the big fight, right? It was in that arena that we met because it's the only arena large enough in the Philippines to contain this one church. It's called Victory Church. Uh, that church is over 80,000 now, but it was 20,000 at their 20th anniversary. And as Annette and I were standing there, it, it was incredible, and it was amazing, and the atmosphere was electric. But what was really amazing was the leaders of that church, Pastor Steve Merle and others, realized a long time ago that if they would win the campus, they could win the world. Change the campus, change the world. So they began strategically speaking into the lives of young people and raising up young disciples. They went on to college campuses, began to share the gospel, making disciples. Very long-term plan, long-term strategic plan. And so, granted, 20 years later, fast forward to when they started this plan, this strategy, 20,000 plus people gathered, mostly young people, or those who started with the church 20 years ago who are now pastoring and leading the church or mentoring the next generation. And, and uh, I think it was Pastor Ferdy, he's Filipino. He got up and he called for, he said, I want every one of you in, in our church, 20,000 people, I want every one of you who feel called to civil government to stand to your feet. Now, what do you think would happen if you went to a, a chapel at ACU up in Abilene and said, I want all of you who feel called to civil government to stand to your feet? What do you think would happen? It would be crickets probably. But there in that arena, over 10,000 young people stood to their feet because they have sown into them the, that they can affect change and that if they will be equipped and trained and then allow God to open the right doors and then they will someday sit in influential seats of government in their country and they will change their nation from the ground up. They're doing it now. And many of those young people, think about that, 2005, think about where these young people are as they're continuing to get their law degrees and, and getting into government and getting involved and interning in, in their government, and they are affecting change from the inside out. Why I'm telling you this is that God has given strategies on how to affect change. And it's not always by having, we think in terms of revival as being a big moment right here, right? You know, we bring in some evangelists and the glory falls and the glory clouds here. And listen, I'm all for that. Bring it on, right? I, I, that's great. But long-term impactful change that, that is long-term and, and doing the right thing every day for a long period of time, as Dallas Willard says, 
that comes by being strategic in our thinking and strategic in our discipleship, where we begin to equip people who are sitting in places of government. And we equip them with the gospel. We gospelize them. And now when they lead in their respective spheres of authority, which they grow into over time, they carry Jesus in, right? And it's a beautiful thing. And we need to think that way about our own community and not be afraid to think in terms of we need to pray for the next generation that God will call them to government. God will call them to civil government. Instead of being afraid of it and being uh, pushing away from it, Separation of church and state, that's not a Bible doctrine. That is a man-made doctrine from the get-go. It has nothing to do with a biblical mentality or a biblical worldview. We need to step into and engage culture, not run away from it. But we'll isogee one, one passage of Scripture, come out from them and be separate. If you ever read the context of that passage, you might should. It's not saying run from the world. For God so loved who? The world that he gave his only son for who? The world. So why do we hate the world and detest it when God loves it? We need to be running to and engaging our culture and not running away from it, right? So there's sermon number one tonight, and now we're going to get into our study. But actually, it all, it all dovetails in, guys. We're raising up a generation of world changers right here. And it starts with you and me in our respective spheres of influence. It doesn't mean you carry your big 1611 King James Version, you know, authorized version Bible and set it on your cubicle desk. It means you live out loud. You leak life wherever you are. So I heard from Bill Lovelace today, just a little update on Bill. He's in Memphis right now to tell you the story. We're going to dive in. But... Um, so I've been praying with him every day. He, call, he calls me. We pray together. I'm lifting up. He's doing a nine-day trip to Memphis. And the way this happened was one of his little hook books, you know, little books we've been using, uh, you know, A Life or The Life or Living Life from a New Source. It could be any, any of those. One of them got into the hands of a pastor in Memphis, Tennessee. And she's African-American, and she's big, and she's sassy. And she's an amazing lady. She calls him on the phone. She says, is this Bill? Is this brother Bill? He's like, yes, ma'am. And she says, well, I'm pastor so-and-so. She's a pastor of a church. And it turns out she's quite influential. And it turns out she knows a lot of pastors in Memphis and then over the river into Mississippi. And they're very connected there. And culturally, they're connected. And so she invited Bill to go to Memphis. Well, Bill has never in his life stepped foot in a black church. He's about as white as it gets. He's an Aggie. For, I mean, come on. And he's a proud Aggie, so he's as white as it gets. And yet he stepped in several, he did this last year, went the first time. He didn't know what he was getting into. He did find out that he loves pork ribs and pork barbecue, pulled pork barbecue. And I'm like, nah, 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 nah. you're missing it there. But anyway, he loves that. So, so he's enjoyed his time. But what happened was God began to strategically, through this lady pastor, connect him with other pastors. And here's what she did. She set him up and set those pastors up by inviting them to these little meetings, which they're used to doing, but not telling them that a white guy from Texas is going to be doing the, seat, the speaking. So he said, it's really funny because they all show up, and here's the one white guy, and he's the speaker. And he's not in a suit, and he's not, he, he, and he's not a, he's not a hallelujah kind of guy. 
and he brings truth, and God is blowing things up. So this happened the first time. He's there right now, and he wrote me today. He said, God, the Spirit of God is moving big time, and he's given me people and pastors to pray for because God is bringing truth that is setting them free because they're learning what it means to live life from a new source. Because the culturally, in, the, in ministry, and particularly in that culture, it's all about what you can do. You, you put your hand to the plow and you go. That's all they know. And he's talking to them and teaching them about freedom in Christ and identity in Christ and the grace of God and the empowerment of God to live life from the, the source instead of yourself. Now you're living life from a new source. We all know this, that if, if when we put our hands to the plow, we will get back what we put in. But when God is our source, we get back what God puts in. Does that make sense? I don't know about you. I want God ideas, not good ideas. And we need to always check our ideas up against, is this a God idea or just a good idea? Good ideas are good, but that's all you get, some good out of it. I want to get God out of it, amen? So he's there doing that right now. Just as an update, he was so excited when he wrote me. He said, God is moving, Jimmy. God is moving. He said this, but there's a new word now in Memphis, Tennessee, among the black churches and pastors and it's this, it's the word leak. He said, they're learning what it means to leak out, to leak life. So he was just telling me that as a funny thing. But, but, you know, who knew his little hook book would impact change and impact churches and another culture? Who knew saying leak life, leak life, we need to leak out, not freak out. We need to leak Jesus everywhere. Who knows what we say that God can put it where it needs to go, amen? So never underestimate what God has put on your life to make a difference. Amen? Steve? Absolutely. I was going to pray for the whole thing. I will do that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for what you're doing with, with Bill there in Memphis with those precious pastors and those precious churches where truth is setting people free. Truth is doing what truth does. Jesus himself, you said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And so I'm thankful that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And Lord, he is experiencing that and he's seeing it happen in front of his eyes right now. This is a fruitful time for, for Bill. So we bless him and encourage him. And for those pastors who are for the first time hearing another facet of truth that's fresh to them. And it's taking this this pressure off of them like he told me of that one guy today who's just was literally at the end of himself and then truth came in and it just it's given him new hope and new life and a, and a fresh beginning so thank you for that lord and lord we want to lean in i feel like even even what you had me share a minute ago about our spheres of influence and how we need to be strategic about praying not only for the next generation but for this generation and those right now who are in places of influence, our coaches, our teachers, civil government, in places of business, Lord. You've, you've put our people in strategic places. Father, I ask you to awaken us, open our eyes, that we may see that you have given us spheres and realms of influence, that we will move into the place of being biblically minded, a biblical worldview and kingdom mindset, knowing that where we are is a gift. And you've called us to leak out life and leak out hope and leak out the gospel where we are. So give us grace as we lean in. We honor you. Lord, open the word to us tonight. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said?
Amen. All right. I want you to just a couple things. We're going to talk about this because I feel like this is very apropos right now for where we are. And it's this. In Christ, I am fearless. Now, it's on your, on your bookmark. Again, taking it from the bookmark. So we want to use this as a tool. I spent some time reading through all these today. And by the time I got about four or five in, I, my spirit was about to explode. It was like, it just lifts, provides lift. I also did the one-minute pause driving in, and then I did the three-minute right after. Why? Because I want those things that will fill my spirit and my soul. Just as an FYI, as another tool, a beautiful thing, uh, if you have Alexa uh, at home, we do. And um, if you have that, do you, how many of you have Alexa at your home? Okay, so here's the deal. There's a new thing right now for the YouVersion Bible app. All you have to do is say to Alexa, Alexa, open Open U version rest. U version rest. I did this today on my phone because I have Alexa on my phone because it's connected to my Amazon music thing. I said, I said, Alexa, open U version rest. And then it said, well, we're going to set that up for you. She's talking to me. And she says, do you want background music? Do you want thunder? Do you want rolling waves? Do you want piano? I said, let's try piano. And then she says, do you want a male voice or a female voice? I said, Let's do a female voice. So, uh, so in just a moment, you know, it's doing its thing. And then she starts reading Psalm 46 with piano music in the background. And I'm driving, and I'm just like, wow. All these tools, these resources are available to us. We can leverage technology for good, or we can let technology run our lives, right? Let's leverage it for good things. So that's just another simple thing. If you have Alexa, try it at home. All you have to say is, Alexa, open Bible, uh, U-version rest, U-version Bible rest or U-version rest. You probably got an email on it if you have U-version. Uh, I did. That's how I knew about it. And it's, an, it's beautiful. She reads through several psalms, just one, one after another with music going. It's beautiful, incredible. So Psalm 46, talking about what we're talking about tonight, about fear, about fear. In Christ, I am fearless. How many of you are fearless? How many of you, by, how about by faith? You can just say, I'm fearless by faith. All right, let's go. Lean in, lean in. Fear right now is rampant in our culture. You do know that that is terrorism is actually the incitation of fear. It's inciting fear. It's, it's sowing fear, not just in a person, but in a culture, in a group, in a nation. And right now, I mean, my gosh. First of all, can I encourage you to stop doing something? Stop watching the news. Turn it off for a while. Take a break. Go on a fast. Go on a fast just for a while. Really, the world won't stop turning because you're not checking in first thing in the morning on what's going on, what's fallen, what's broken, what's blown up, where the latest earthquake was. You do know there was one in Jakarta, right? See, the reason we don't is because we're so consumed with this corona silliness that we don't even know that thousands of people just got killed in Jakarta because that's not newsworthy Compared to the coronavirus, we're what? What are we up to? 31, 26? I don't know where we're at. Exactly. And so this idea, but what it's doing, it's sowing fear. It's creating fear. That is, that is, in essence, a strategy of terrorism. And so think about what's going on. And isn't it just like the enemy of your soul to keep you wound up around his bony finger with fear? Anxiety, stress. So we're going to look at some things here 
as we talk about this. So, uh, Russ, I'm clicking and nothing's happening. Hello. Am I plugged in? Did you do that or did I do that? You did that. You're going to have to do it tonight? Okay, that's all right. Putting this down. All right, so understanding your identity in Christ may very well be the most important key to your ongoing growth and maturity, and here's why. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. I found this to be so true in my life. I've had several conversations, even this week, about this very thing, that when you know who you are, you know whose you are, because you know him, it elevates your confidence, not your arrogance. If anything, it should inspire humility in us because the more we know him, the more we realize it is only by grace that he loves us because we're a mess. We are messy people. We joke about hurting cats. Try hurting people. I mean, come on. Can you imagine? And so it's, it's, it's an idea of humility that we say, I can come boldly before the throne of grace, but I come with great humility. It actually it humbles me the more I learn and the more I understand about who I am in Christ. I, and I'm a little strange, I know, because I will literally be driving down the road and I'll start laughing out loud because I'm so excited about this truth. This truth is absolutely wrecking me from the inside out. And I want to be wrecked for Jesus. Amen? And if I'm a fool for Christ, so be it. I'm in pretty good company. A lot of biblical fools for Jesus, right? If we are, we are. So we need to understand. And this is something that I want to encourage you. And I will keep beating the drum lest you forget for one second who you are in Christ. It's that important. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. And so I was talking with Jason Banks, our youth pastor, this morning. We meet for coffee on Wednesday mornings. And we were talking about this idea about how we can say anything we want, but we will never change the human heart. Only God can release revelation. We can talk till we're blue in the face, but at the end of the day, we all recognize, our team, our staff, we all recognize, Jeffrey, recognize, we recognize that all we're doing is presenting and understanding that the Spirit of God doesn't take it and like an archer, shoot it where it needs to go then it's just words. We know that. We, we get it. We understand our place in this. But isn't it beautiful when it happens? When, some, when the light goes on and there's an aha moment. And what I live for are aha moments about our identity in Christ. And I've had people off and on over this last few months come to me sometimes at a random time out in the hallway. And I get it. I really get it. I had one person come up to me a while back with tears in her eyes. And I know, I've known this girl ever since I got here. I've known her. And she came to me and she, with tears, she says, I really get it. And I said, that's nice. She goes, no, you don't understand. I mean, she was like frantic. I really get it. I get it now. It was like something went off. It was thunder in her soul. And I was like, you got it. You got it. And now she's unstoppable. And you'd know who she is if I said who it was. Look at this. All right, go ahead, Russ. Let's go to the next one. In Christ, I'm fearless. Look at this passage. This scripture, I love this, one of my faves. I always say that, but it is. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. You should make that personal. Father, you have not given me a spirit of fear. So if there's, if there's fear, it's not from you. So now we need to figure out where the source is, right? So, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. And now remember what but means? It negates everything that goes before. It's like 
We're not looking back. We're looking forward. And the scripture now turns and says, but of power. And it's the same connotation language-wise. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. You know what a sound mind is? I love this. It's the ability to think well. So let's just apply it to the given current situation. I listened to Dave Ramsey this afternoon. Oh, boy, was he on a rant about coronavirus. It was funny. Annette was laughing. She goes, that's your former boss. I said, boy, I know. He's, he's really ranting about this. And here's the thing. The culture is losing its mind right now because we're not operating in a spirit of a sound mind. We're actually being driven by a spirit of fear. Listen, I don't know if you have a category for this, but you need to understand there is a spiritual realm that is happening all around us right now. And you can choose not to believe it. You can ignore it. You can think to yourself, if I don't think about it, it's not going to affect me or happen. But you, all day long, the truth is never contingent on what we believe. Truth is truth. The scripture is very clear that there is an unseen realm that is highly populated. And when how many were cast down, according to the, to the Old Testament? A third of the angels? What are the angels? What, what, we don't even know what the number is. But what that tells me is there's a lot of critters on this planet right now that were cast down. And there's a lot of activity going on. Do not, for a moment, bury your head in the sand and think there's not a malevolent force that is out to marginalize your life. Amen? Steve? Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. There you go. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to say this for those listening online. So what Steve was saying, I won't quote it exactly. But that the spirit of fear is a real spirit. It's actually an entity. And yet, it is subject to the name of Jesus. But what he said, just for you listening, is that if you're not prepared to go to war at that level, to bind, to, to cast out, to take pull down or whatever, then you're going to get your lunch eaten. I think that's what you said. <laughs> your lunch is going to get eaten. And really, that is the truth. When we don't know who we are, we don't know what to do. But when we know who we are, we know what to do. I'll never forget when I had my first encounter with something very malevolent and dark. And I didn't have a category for it, but here's the deal. I knew who I was in Christ, and within a few seconds, I knew what to do. I even had a person with me who turned to me and said, you know what to do. And before I could get out of my mouth, no, I don't, I knew what to do. And I was able to deal with this situation I won't go into detail here but I was able to deal with a situation that was my first encounter with something otherworldly and I knew what to do why because I knew who I was when you know who you are you'll know what to do so there's a preparation and that's what we're doing here that's why we're staying on this right now so God's not given a spirit of fear but power remember that word that's the word dunamis here that means power literally power for working miracles it's a force. 
It's not a passive, I feel good about myself kind of power. It's a power as though it is a force that comes in us and through us. We've been given that. And love, we've talked a lot about love around here, but I love this, and this is where I want to camp just a little bit as we move forward, a sound mind. You have been given, brace yourself, the mind of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we've tapped into it. Can I get an amen? We have it. We have the capacity for it, but it's like anything. If I were to pitch you to the key, if I was to say I'm going to give you my truck, and I said it's yours, and you go outside and you look at it, but I don't give you the keys, or I don't sign the title over to you and give you the payments, you get those too. Anybody want my truck? <laughs> but here's a, if, if I don't give you what you need to make that truck work, then you really don't have it. You have it, but you don't have it. It may look good, and it'll sit out there, and the tires will eventually go down. The thing will begin to rot from disuse. In our muscle, in our muscular system, it's called atrophy when you don't use a muscle. It actually deteriorates. It atrophies. It dies. So we can have the mind of Christ, but if we don't tap into and employ it and deploy it, how do we do that? Let me tell you how simple it is. We acknowledge the truth of God's word. Father, your word says, I've been given the mind of Christ. In this moment, I do not know what to do about this situation. But your word says that I have the mind of Christ. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm aligning myself right now with your word. Your word says, and based on your word, I activate my faith, and I receive the gift of the mind of Christ. It's mine. So now, Lord, let's face this problem. What would Jesus do? What would he say? What would Jesus think? Lord, give me wisdom. What does the Bible say? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Lord, thank you for wisdom. And it says, don't doubt. Don't be double-minded, you know, back and forth, tossed between two opinions. You lean in. You access the wisdom of God. You access the mind of Christ. Let me tell you something. Wisdom will come. Solutions will come. Ideas will come. Creativity will come. God has it. It's his, and it's ours in Christ. Isn't that amazing? So we have this sound mind. All of this is yours in Jesus. But we have to activate what we've been given. We've, you've heard me say this before. The word works, but you have to what? Work the word. So God's given us this amazing tool, this amazing banqueting feast, this tool belt I mean, it's more than enough. It's abundant. Remember, he's El Shaddai, God Almighty. He's not El Chipo holding back from you. He's over in abundance, given us wisdom, given us ability. All we have to do is tap into it. And we, what do we do? By grace through faith. Same way you got saved. We activate by grace through faith. Does that make sense? So there's something to speaking and declaring and saying the word. Now, let's keep going. Russ, next one. Let's keep going. Here's some lies that bind. See if any of these ring true for you. Russ, there you go. Thank you, sir. Look at it. This is going to end badly. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever said that? Oh, this is not going to end well. Here's another. This is a lie. And these are lies that bind. Because what does truth do? Freeze us up, right? It unbinds us. But error, lies, bind us. Here's another one. I'm not going to make it. These are all fear-based. These are all fear-based. I'm not going to make it. God's not going to come through for me. Boy, am I the only human in the room who's thought that? 
yeah, I'm admitting it. I've thought that. I've had that feeling, that sense of I'm about to step out in faith and I have a feeling there's not going to be anything when I step. Have you ever had that feeling? I have. I'm going to fail. I'm going to die an early death. It's amazing how many people have told me through the years. I'm in this thing 37 years now, 38, whatever. I'm losing count. It's been a long time, over three decades. I've had a lot of people tell me that they live with this fear. There's probably a name for this condition. This fear of dying young, dying early. Or maybe someone spoke it over them and they actually received it as truth for their life. They internalized it. Actually believe they're going to die young. And they live in fear. They're petrified of it. Can you imagine living with that? Some of you might can. Here's another lie. I can't trust you because I've been hurt before. That's a lie. It's a lie that binds. What does it do? It keeps you out of fear from trusting another person. I recently had a conversation with somebody who's been going through a rough, rough deal. And they are struggling with trusting again. And so they asked me, how did you trust? How did you learn to trust after you got crushed in ministry? I said, because I understood the alternative. If I never trust again, I'll never be free again. It's my own prison. My own prison. That person or those people or them, they, those, all those people, whoever created that scenario, they went on with their lives. I was the one in prison. And so I refuse to stay bound up in my own prison, the prison of my own making. Does that make sense? Because that's what unforgiveness does. And so we don't trust. Why? Out of fear. Once bitten, twice shy, right? So, we, we're, so we're not going to go there again because lest I get hurt. Let me tell you what I learned by going there anyway and walking by grace through faith into trusting again. It's worth it. And you know what? But Pastor Jimmy, you might get hurt again. You might, Yeah, probably will at some point. Betrayal happens, right? We live with human beings. It's going to happen. But it is so worth it. It's like somebody who says, wow, I love this dog, but now this dog grew old and now my dog died, so I'm not going to get another dog. I'm, I'm going to resist. I'm never going to enjoy the co companionship of a dog Again, because this one died. Because if I get another one, it's just going to die. See the fallacy in our thinking? It's the same thing, though. And then we don't get as close to the next dog as we did the first one. And one will never match your first dog, right? That was that dog. But they're legendary by the time you're 30, 40, 50 years of age. You remember that dog. You forget some of the quirkiness about that dog. But now that dog's legend, and the next dog doesn't quite get as much of you. And then the next dog comes along. And they don't get as much of you. We do this with people, too, you know. And you get to a point where you're so jaded, you're so broken, you're so hurt, you're so, you've been hurt so many times, and you refuse, and you may have even uttered unrighteous vows out of your mouth. I will never trust again. I will never let somebody do that to me again. You know what you did? You've just put yourself in captivity. You have received the lie that binds I'm telling you, as one who's been there, done that multiple times, it is worth the risk to love again. It is worth the risk to open your heart again, knowing full will somebody is going to step on you. Cast your pearls before swine. You know what? It's okay. Get up and you do it again. It's worth it. It's worth it to be free 
to live free. Amen? So here's another one, okay? If I step out in faith, it's not going to work. Hey, let's be honest, right? Isn't it crazy, this thing called the faith? Sometimes we actually have to do it. Isn't it a lot easier when things are just going well? Everything's hitting on all eight cylinders. Life's good. No conflict. No. Does anybody live in that bubble? I don't. Yeah, that's, a, that's a pipe dream for me. So that means I'm called to walk by faith and not by sight in so many arenas of life. And you step out and you do it with joy. And you do it with expectation. And if it doesn't work out, instead of freaking out, you take a step back and you get another run. And, you know, and it's okay to say, I missed it. It's okay to say, I missed God on this one. You ever stepped out and you realize after you did it, that wasn't God? <laughs> but instead of admitting it, you just guarded it because you didn't want to look bad. How about we just go, you know what? I stepped out in faith. Oh, I missed it. Swing and a miss. Man, I, I swung out of my socks on that one. So what's next? There's a joy that comes when you're free. Where you can actually, like a kid, miss it and it's okay. You can blow it and it's okay because you're going to get back up and get back on that horse again. I'll never forget my horse, Midget. Welsh pony. Those things are, can be ornery. And, and Midget was rough. He was, he was ornery. He was a lot like me, actually. We were a lot alike. And that horse would throw me off. He would run me under mesquite trees because that's all we had out in West Texas. He'd see a, a low-hanging branch, and I knew what was about to happen. He was heading for that tree. That book, he was going to knock me. He did it several times. And I would hang on, and I would do I mean, we wrestled. It was a wrestling match. And what I could have done was gotten scared of that horse and never enjoyed that horse again. Dad, just get rid of that horse. I'll just keep riding my motorcycles. At least I know where I'm going with these, you know, because this horse is unpredictable. My brother, on, but I wasn't scared of that horse. That horse would run at me in a full dead run. I mean, like, I'm going to kill you. And I would stand there, and I wouldn't flinch. And that horse would slide up to me with his nose. I mean, he was, he was doing this. So me and this horse, me and Midget had an understanding. And we got along great. But my brother's horse, Bozo, yes, his name was Bozo. So Midget and Bozo knew that my brother was terrified of him. And those horses just took advantage of him all day long. And I'd say, Jerry, don't show no fear. This is like coming up on a dog. You don't show fear. And he was afraid of them. So one day, my brother's out in the corral, southwest Texas, outside of Post, our place. I see my brother. He just fed the horses some oats. I'm standing at the corral gate, about to go in. It's probably going to go probably fill up the water trough or whatever, whatever we did with our chores. And I see Midget looking at my brother, my brother is facing his back to midget. And I'll see that look on his, when his ears go down like that, I'm like, oh, this is not good. And midget takes off in a dead run toward my brother. And I'm yelling at my brother. My brother's totally ignoring me, typical brother. But it cost him because midget ran flat over him from behind and bit a, bit a chunk out of his shoulder as he did it. I thought he killed him. And my brother got up, he was so mad. But here's the deal fear so my brother to this day does not like horses because of midget and bozo these are welsh ponies these weren't even full-size horses although they were heavy and thick and all that but they were not so fear has caused my brother to now have a phobia I'm, there's probably a name for that a 
about fr- against horses. He just, he just doesn't like it. He doesn't want anything to do with them. Why? Fear. Fear cost him the joy of having a wonderful animal. And I love him to this day. If I step out, it's not going to work. God loves them. Listen to this. Here's another lie by Bind. God loves them, but he can't love me. You ever felt like that? God's a show. Why? Have you ever asked this question? Why does, why does it always work out for them? Why is it going good for them? Why, why do things, why is it not working for me, but it's working for them? God must love them more than he loves me. Let me tell you, I've sat in that seat. I've, I've sat in the seat of envy before. I, I've, I've, what's wrong with us? We're trying to do things right. Why is this not working? And there's an envy that sets in, and we start to question God's M.O., God's motive, the way he operates. But what we don't know is the price that that person paid to be where they are. It probably, they probably walk with a limp if you'll walk closely enough. And if you'll take the time to get to know their story and get to know them in 3D, there's probably a very crazy story behind their life. And there's a reason why they are at a point where their character is now able to carry what God wants to release. See, until our character is ready, he won't. If he was to release the full meal deal on us before we're ready, it'd be like, it'd be like some of our family members winning the lotto. Their character couldn't contain it. You know what I'm saying? The curse of the lottery. It would be the same thing. God pours out his full meal deal on you and you're not ready for it. See, God's a lot more concerned about your character than he is your comfort or your convenience. Say it again. Or your ministry. Your ministry. My ministry. That's why I keep saying, this is what we're doing here. This is open hands. Open hands. We steward but we do it like this. So God is more concerned about your character. And he loves you so much that he will, he will set up some scenarios that you'll be rebuking the devil the whole time thinking it's the enemy. But it could very well be God crafting your character one blow at a time. Oh, but God wouldn't do that. Oh, he loves you. He loves you so much. And he knows you intimately. Amen? And he's good, even though sometimes it doesn't feel good. Amen? So those are lies that bind. Let's go to the next one. I read this last week, but I wanted to keep this in here as a reminder. The devil's a liar. You belong to your father, the devil. This is Jesus speaking to the religious leaders. He says, your fa-, he tells the religious leaders their father's the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. And look what, we get the clue. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. I love that translation. In in other translations, you'll see it's his nature. It'll it'll use that because it's his nature to lie. It's his native language. It's his nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Let's go to the next one, Russ. Here's another one. Fear is an emotion, but also a spirit. This is what you said earlier, Steve. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. It is what it is. It is a spirit of fear. It is a demonic entity. And, and it can be fed. It can be coddled. It can be embraced. But he gave, he gave us these other things. Let's go to the next one, Russ. Complete love drives out fear. So what do we do? We've got it going on right now in our culture in spades. We've got fear of the future. Uh, Annette made a mistake of checking our stocks, our, our retirement fund. I was like, honey, what are you doing? We do Transamerica. I'm like, stop. This is temporary. 
She's like, oh my gosh, you've lost this much out of your time. I said, why did you even look? And then we listen to Dave Ramsey, and the first thing he says is, don't watch the news, don't check your, your portfolio right now. It's temporary. It's temporary. It's already bouncing back. So anyway, but what does that do? It incites fear, does it not? Oh no, we're losing everything. So listen to this. Love, 1 John 4, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Ooh, so when judgment day comes, instead of us crawling on glass in fear or crawling up the steps and you know, berating ourselves before God, we have boldness. Confidence is what that means. We have confidence. Why? Because we know who we are and whose we are, which means we can stand upright before a holy God because he's our father. He's not this ominous, dark force who's just waiting for you to mess up. You know how many Christians live with that mentality? That he's just looking for you to, to make a mistake. Well, maybe your daddy did that on earth, and that's probably where that happened, or your granddaddy, or your mama, but that is not God. That's not the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who loves you. The one who so loved the world that he gave his only son for you. The one who didn't think that, that holding on to deity was something to be grasped, but humbled himself and became as a man. That's the God that I follow. That's the God that loves me. And because I know that, we can have confidence and boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. I want to continue this. This is the same passage. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. All right. Now we get a clue into what do we do about this fear thing because this is what I want us to leave with tonight. This isn't, this isn't brain surgery here, okay? It's not biochemistry or rocket science. It's actually very simple. How do we combat I remember uh, Pastor Robert Owens teaching us this. He said, Jimmy, he was talking to my staff. He was up in Reno, Nevada as a pastor. He came down and he spoke to our team. And he said, he said, one of the best things that you can always do as a rule of thumb is whatever comes at you, you come back in the opposite spirit. That sounds very common sense, but think about the wisdom in that. So if, if hate comes your way, you come back with love. If judgment comes your way, you come back with mercy. If criticism comes your way, you come back with grace. If fear comes your way, you come back with love. Hatred, love, all of so you come in the opposite spirit. It's scriptural, there's no fear in love. But perfect love, now the word perfect there, it literally means complete or whole or integrated. It means sound. So there is no fear in love, but whole, complete, perfect love. What does it do to fear? Remember what fear was? Steve, you said it. It's a spirit. So we want to lock in and go read Pigs in the Parlor so we can do deliverance on this thing. But at the end of the day, this is what casts out that spirit. It's love. It's love. It's not drama. It's not theatrics. I've done all that. Been there, done all that. I've got the t-shirts with throw up on them. I've been in those scenarios. Been there, done it. But let me tell you, this is what works. And this is what changes everything. It's perfect, complete love. And it does exactly what it's designed to do. It's like light and darkness cannot occupy the same space. Molecularly, it's impossible. So anytime you introduce light into dark, what happens? Dark what? 
It flees. It's dispelled. It's dispersed. It has to leave. It's the same way. Where there's fear, when love comes, perfect love, complete love, whole love, guess what happens to fear? Same principle. Told you it wasn't rocket science. It's pretty simple math here. It's not physics. Thank the Lord. It's simple math for somebody like me. Look at this. Perfect love casts out fear. You want to deal with the spirit of fear? Oh, you invite love. You invite love. John Eldridge right now, when we went to the homecoming, he was talking about how their ministry, they really realize that what's going on is a spirit of hatred in our culture. Hatred. Have you ever seen? And listen, I'm not saying pro, for, against, or whatever. At the end of the day, I, I just, I, but I've got to say this. I don't know that I've ever seen, at least in my lifetime, a president so hated as our president right now. Now, here's the deal, and I'll just say this out loud. I didn't vote for Obama, but I prayed for him. I prayed for his family, for his children. I actually had concern that something bad was going to happen to him. I prayed for them, for protection and covering. Why? Scripture tells me to do that. I want to be in alignment with God's word. So I didn't rail against him. I didn't agree, but I didn't, like, go on Facebook and tell everybody. Nobody's business. And I don't do that either way. So, so I, but I've never seen the hatred that I'm seeing right now, ever. Have y'all? Some of you lived a little bit longer than me. I, it's, it's un, it's, I don't even want to go there. Not even going to go there. I'm just saying hatred right now. And it's not just that. It's everywhere. It's Christians. It's, it's followers of Jesus getting persecuted now in our own country. It, it, I've never seen it like I've seen it in my lifetime. But let me tell you, it doesn't make me fearful. Because where sin abounds, guess what abounds more? Grace abounds more. And I'm not talking about laying in a hammock on a warm day. Grace as in power, strength, ability, authority, and favor abounds more. That means the darker it gets, the easier it is to shine. Are you hearing me, family? So as the world waxes worse, that's, that's our moment. Just stand up. Let me tell you something. I mentioned this in our group last night. But you know when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were challenged by the king, Nebuchadnezzar, right? The idol was lifted up. What happened? A nation fell. They bowed down. What happened? The nation degraded themselves. What did they do? Don't say they stood up. They just stood where they were, didn't they? They didn't even change their position. See, we think in terms of, oh, we got to go big. we got to go do something. No, just stand. Having done all, Ephesians 6 says, to stand, stand therefore, putting on the armor of God. They didn't even have to change their position to stand out. They just didn't lower themselves when the culture did. They just stood. And the whole culture, a whole nation went down on its knees, on its face before an idol, exalting a man as God. That's a pretty clear picture of idolatry, wouldn't you think? But look what happened. They stood. And you know what followed? Signs follow. <laughs> signs followed. Miracles, signs, wonders followed that. Why? Because what they were doing represented good news. They stood. They didn't even stand up. They were already standing. Everyone else fell. That's what's going on in our culture right now. You don't even have to do anything extraordinary. You don't have to do anything more than be who Jesus has called you to be in your sphere of influence. Leaking out life everywhere you go and refusing the spirit of fear to rule in your life. Refusing it and saying, Lord, I receive your love. I receive your love to literally cast out. 
Here's what happens. It's like an old radiator. I've talked about my beautiful 1974 Ford Pinto before. It was given to me. It was so, it was so oxidized, you could you'd literally run your finger on it, and you'd have blue on your fingers. Love that car. It was a rolling tackle box. And so had that car in college, and I remember the guy gave it to me. He said, it's going to need a little tune-up. A little tune-up? I mean, it barely ran. I put new plugs. I put a new... Uh, a new uh, Distributor, thank you. Boy, it's been a long time since I thought about that. I, I put new points, everything on it, and that car, man, it came to life. But he said, I don't know that the antifreeze ever been changed, ever. And that car was old when I got it. So I, 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 <laughs> so, so I, I got one of those little kits. You put a hose on the top, and then you pop the pet cock open on the bottom, and then you flush it out, right? Well, that's assuming it can come go anywhere because it was like nothing's coming out. I had to mess with the thing. I had to take the larger piece off. And when that did, the stuff that came out of that radiator was as nasty as anything. It is pure sludge, rust. It was like, I'm surprised that radiator did not blow up at some point. Other things did on that car, but not that stayed. But when I ran something clean and pure into it under pressure, it actually dispelled and expelled all that gunk. Years Talk about not taking care of a car. And I mean, and, and it, it permanently stained the street. I'm thankful I didn't do it in my driveway. I did it out in the street by the curb. And that, till the day we moved, that stain was still there from that iron, that metal out there. Now, what is that? It's the same principle. When we receive the love of God, perfect love, guess what it does? It flushes all that gunk, all that mess, all that fear. And so what if it leaves a permanent stain, right? We just keep moving, right? We just keep moving. Jerry. That's it. That's exactly right. So we receive God. And what Jerry said, God is love. It's like the church. It's not just a truth. It's not just a concept or an ideal. It's a person. But God is love. Love's not an ideal. It's a person. We receive him in all of his fullness. We invite him in his fullness. Guess what happens? That river of life flows through us, and it flushes all that fear out. Amen? Let's keep moving. Jesus' peace frees us from fear. Listen to this. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Remember what Jesus, one of his names was? The Prince of Prince of Peace. That's Jesus. Let's go to the next one. Give your cares over to the Father. Listen to this, 1 Peter 5. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Well, there's a clue there. There's a lot of there. Due time. We all are ready to be exalted right now, right? There's a due time, folks. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. What is care? Care is that worry. That's that anxiety. It's that stress. Casting it upon him because he cares. Next one, Russ. The great shepherd watches over us. Look at this. I love Psalm 23. Love this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. I mean, I'm in a shadow. I'm in the darkest place on the planet but I will fear no evil. But you're in the most fearful place you can be. Why do you not fear evil? 
he answers the question. For you are with me. You are with me. Folks, it's not just a, a nice wall hanging or a t-shirt where we read, I will never leave you or forsake you. It's not just a byline of a, of a contemporary worship song. It is the truth of God's word. You will never be alone. You will never be without him. Does that mean you'll, you'll, there'll be times when you lapse in your consciousness of his presence? Absolutely, right? We're human. We ebb and flow. We're like the barometric pressure emotionally. So sometimes we'll, we'll be numb and we'll miss. But he was never gone. He never left you. Remember the footprints in the sand? Remember that? It was sweet and gave me warm fuzzies. But it's true, too. It's true. When there's only one set of footprints in the sand, I love that line, it's because he was carrying you, right? It's real sweet, but it's true. There's truth to that. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Yea, though I walk, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, rod and staff, protection, weapons, staff to, to, to direct and get us in the place we need to be, to get us in alignment and rod to do what the rod does. And that rod's not against us, by the way. It's a weapon against the enemy. It's for protection. His rod and his staff, what do they do? They comfort. They comfort us. Isn't that beautiful? Let's go to the next one. Our adoption leads to our freedom. Remember, no fear here, right? For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. There it is. There's that bondage to fear. Lies that bind. The spirit, look what it says. The spirit of bondage again to fear. Notice all these references to spirits. Don't miss that. The universe is highly populated and it's not just us. So no, there's a lot more going on. There's a spirit of bondage again to fear. Now he says, but you received, look at this, the spirit of adoption whom we cry out, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. A lot of times when I pray, I say, Abba, Father. Why? Because I recognize my sonship. I recognize I'm an adopted son. I'm his. And you know, adoption's a beautiful thing because you get all the full legal rights that a birth child gets. There's a whole principle here. Israel, praise the Lord, they're his, right? Birth by, they're birthed by birth. I mean, they're, they're his people. But guess what? We've been grafted into the, through the vine. We're the wild olive branch that's been grafted in. Have you ever seen a graft on a tree? You know it's stronger than the actual branch, right? A graft that's done properly, you can't break it. The branch will break before the graft breaks. Guess what? We've been grafted in. We ain't breaking, folks. That's bad grammar, but it works. We are not going to be broken. Amen? Isn't that good? You know what that is? That's security. What does that do? It feeds my identity in Christ. I don't have to worry that I'm somehow going to get snapped off because the graft didn't take. Oh, it took. It took. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? That's not anti-Israel. It's pro-Jesus. That's all that is, is thank you, Jesus, from the place of humility and gratitude. I love it. Next one. Do not fear persecution. Whoa, wait a minute. See, things are getting pretty crazy right now, right? Now it's going to get crazier. Look what happens. First Peter. If you read First, Second Peter, I mean, it's all about dealing with persecution. They were getting hammered. It says this, and, he is, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? 
But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Why? Because he has said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Even in your darkest day, even in the worst time, he's there. He's with you. He's not going anywhere. Context is king. I didn't have time to go. You should read before and after that. But this is in the context of persecution. And he says, don't be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. There's a lot of this going on right now in our world. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. A lot of media stuff going on right now. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Listen to this, last one. Take your fear to God in prayer. Here it is. We land with this. Be anxious for nothing. You know what he's saying? Don't be afraid of anything. Don't be afraid. By the way, this is an imperative in the original language. You know what that means? It's a command. This isn't an option. If you're having a good day, don't be anxious. No, he's like, be anxious for nothing. No thing. But in everything. Think about the words. By prayer and supplication, that means to put before, with gratitude, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the arene, that's New Testament, that's Greek, but in the, the equivalent is shalom. The arene, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do this. It will guard. It will garrison. Love that word. It will garrison and guard your hearts and your minds. Guess what, our, guess what we're losing right now in this time? You got, when, you, when you are under fear, you lose heart. We even use that. They've lost heart. They've lost, they've lost the will to go on. They've lost heart. And what we're talking about here is walking in love, and it's a recovery of the heart. It's a recovery of your heart. Because when the heart's fully functional, you'll risk love again. You'll risk trusting again. You'll risk getting betrayed again. You'll risk getting hurt again because you have heart. But when you lose heart, you won't risk it. You'll hold back. You'll always have a little shield up here. You may look like you're in the game, but you're really not because you're holding back. You're keeping your cards close. I don't know about you, but I can sniff it a mile away when somebody's holding their cards tight. How about you? Do you smell it? Do you know when someone's not being authentic, when they're hiding, when they're not being open, when they're shut down, they're closed? I don't have contempt for people like that. I have massive compassion because they're in their own prison. That just breaks my heart for them, breaks my heart for them. But when I'm around people that are guarded like that, I have compassion, but it's hard for me to have a lot of trust because I, they're holding something back. Why? Because they've been damaged. They've been hurt. And he says this, it passes all, it will guard your hearts and your mind. Is that not the battlefield? Is that not, it's the battlefield of the mind. And then listen to this, this is a statement, we, this is the last thing. You have nothing to fear. Family, look at me, you have nothing to fear. No matter what is going on in this world, if we are with him, and if we believe what that book says, and we believe that we've been transformed, and that our heart, that we are born again, there is nothing to fear. Everything here is temporary. That's why we got to go through life just this, open hands. Just let go. Now, 
You have nothing to fear. In fact, fear is, by design, a work of the enemy to bring pain and torment. We read that earlier because that's what, that's what uh, fear does. Fear involves torment, the scripture says. And it's a tactic. It's, it's by design a work of the enemy. And I didn't even have time to go into the difference between roots and fruits. And that's something we need to talk about. And fear is one of those root issues. We're dealing with fruit all the time, but we've got to get down to where there's smoke, there's a fire. And we get caught up in the smoke, and we miss the fact that there's a fire that's creating this, right? And that's what we've got to get to as we're working with people and one another. So God's perfect and complete love eradicates fear. Amen? Casts it out. You want to go into a deliverance ministry? Here's how you do it. You receive the love of God in its fullness, and you're in a full-blown deliverance ministry right there. <laughs> Man, you, because everything's got to go. Everything. Nothing can stay that's not of him, and you begin to embrace him in his fullness. It says this, Fear cannot remain where God's love is manifested. It can't. It can't. It's like light and darkness, molecular, they cannot stay in the same space. They cannot, by design, occupy the same space. One drives out the other. Amen? God, isn't that good? Isn't God good? Isn't His Word good? So, as we pray, let's do this. Can you just put your hands out? Let's do some open. Let's all stand together if you can. Just stand to your feet, stretch for a sec, and let's pray out. And let's just literally just open our hands and just in a very simple gesture. It's just a gesture. It's all it is. But it's, it's, you're activating your faith in this. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And you just participate. Just be in agreement. The power of agreement. We're two on earth agree. It's touching anything. He's right here in our midst and gives us what we ask. So let's just together be in agreement. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're before you as sons and daughters tonight, friends and family. We're here with open hands, just as a demonstration of our, of our life and our heart. Father, we reject, in the name of Jesus, we reject the spirit of fear. And in this moment right now, be in agreement, family. Just agree with me. If you need to say yes or amen, just say it. Lord, in the name of your son, Jesus, we receive your love. We receive the fullness of your love. Father, we want the full meal deal here. We want to be biggie sized on this, Lord. We don't want we don't want the the leftovers or or we don't want the the, the pitiful uh, outpouring. We want the full meal deal with your love. You're as the scripture says, your perfect love. And Lord, your word says, and we align ourselves with your word right now. We and I align my words with yours. Your perfect love, your complete love, your whole love, literally casts out all fear. So even now. Lord, we by faith receive your perfect love. Just say it out loud. Say, I receive perfect love. You can just personalize it. Just, Lord, I receive your love. I receive all of your love, all that you are. And picture that old radiator on my, on my <laughs> faded out baby blue 74 Ford Pinto out in the street and all of that gunk coming out. Lord, so pour the river of life into us. Would you, we invoke the river of life to completely pour through our spirit right now, our soul, our body. And we consecrate our soul, our mind, our spirit, our body to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, release the river of life into us and through us and flush the gunk out. Flush the fear out. Flush the shame out. 
flush the, the, the bindings that, that we've, we've embraced lies that have bound us, Lord. Flush all of that out. Father, may light so invade us that no darkness can remain. Nothing hidden. That's why our, our hands are open before you. Nothing hidden. Nothing hidden. Nothing covered. No room. No keys held back. No room in a corner locked away. We open everything. The, every room of our heart we open to you. Lord, release light. Release your river. Dispel fear. Dispel the darkness. And now, Father, I believe I believe in the name of Jesus that you're doing that right now. And by faith, I receive your work, the finished work of Jesus right now. Your dunamis, your power, your agape, your love. And Lord, that spirit of a sound mind, we receive it in the name of Jesus. And now, Father, we just turn our heart to praise and to thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right here, right now in this moment. You are equipping us to live above the fray right now just by this simple exercise. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. And everybody said, amen. Now, the next time you feel fearful or that stress starts to pour, now you know what to do. Do what we just did. You don't have to say it just like I did it. doesn't matter. Just give it over to him. Receive love. And literally, in your sanctified imagination, see the river of life flowing through you and flushing all that stuff out. Amen? Even if you have to do it five times tomorrow, do it. Amen? Whatever it takes, right? Let's do it. Amen? Love you. Love you. Have a great evening. Thank you.